Thanks for joining us for today's sermon on the Brick Church Sermon Podcast. My name is Jared Callahan, and I'm the lead pastor here at the Brick, and we're so excited that you're going to check out today's message. Our prayer is that each week the message inspires you, challenges you, and helps you connect to God, maybe in a brand new way. We also pray that you connect with us as a community, that it doesn't stop just with your connection with God, but it gives you an opportunity to connect with the people at the Brick Church. So don't hesitate to reach out. Let's jump into today's message. Today we're in week number two of Samson. Consequences haven't caught up yet. And just like last week, we're gonna present some questions. And the questions for today are intended for you to wrestle. Um, Because if I just tell you things, sometimes you hear them however you wanna hear them, you go do whatever you're gonna do anyways, right? I know that as your pastor. I've seen it. I've seen you look at me and be like, yeah, and just go do exactly what I told you not to do. Does that, uh-huh, uh-huh. But the goal is for them to ask you questions for you to wrestle with what God's called you to do. And if you're in the wrestle, uh, the reason this series has so many questions is because we're in the middle of life groups. And tonight's our last one, so don't miss it. 4.30, we got childcare covered. Shameless plug, I'm not even ashamed of it. Get here, 4.30, we got childcare covered. You can ask all the questions about this message and how to apply it to your life, and then we'll see what God does in the midst. So let me catch you up. Last week, uh, we kind of told Samson's story. Um, and Samson is a guy in the Old Testament. He's found in the book of Judges. And in the book of Judges, there are all these guys that God has anointed, uh, guys and actually a lady named Deborah, that are anointed to deliver God's people. So really the book of Judges should be called Deliverers. There's some kind of translation issues there, but they are deliverers. That's what they're meant to do is deliver God's people, not judge God's people, deliver God's people. And so Samson is one of those. And an angel shows up to Samson and uh, Samson's mom and says, hey, you're gonna have a son and he's gonna be a Nazarite. From his birth, he's gonna be a Nazarite. And we talked about last week, there were three commitments of a Nazarite. The first one is to stay away from wine, grapes, seeds from the grapes, skins from the grapes. So just don't touch grapes, not the grape juice, not the wine, none of it, before or after, just don't touch the grape, right? Kind of simple. Uh, The second one is don't touch dead bodies. Don't even be around it. Even if your mom and dad die, you have to stay away from the dead body. That's the second one. And the third one is don't cut your hair. You're not gonna cut your hair. You can't cut your hair. That's part of the Nazarite vow. And almost all of us know the story of Samson in the context of him and someone named Delilah. A lot of us, if we grew up in church, we've heard this story. And what we talked about last week is, is, Samson and Delilah is this story where he gets so far gone into a moment where maybe what we looked at last week is maybe he had broken some other vows in his life so that he thought he could shave his head and he would get away with it. That if, if his head were shaved, when he finally gives in to Delilah, there's some questions on whether or not he could have still gotten away with breaking the third vow because he's probably broken the other two. And last week we ended on what's your vineyard. He, we found him in the vineyard. He's in the vineyard and he shows up and a young lion comes and he destroys that lion in two. On the way to meet a Philistine woman to find a wife, he goes off the beaten path to go into a vineyard away from his mom and dad. He's in the wrong place at the wrong time, destroys this lion. Um, and then we progress into his life and see him with Delilah. And then there's this moment and the whole point of this series, the whole point of consequences haven't caught up yet is this moment in Samson's life that I never wanna see you get to. This moment where he finally gives in, he tells her the secret, cut my hair, it's the last Nazarite vow, just do it and I'll lose my strength. And he wakes up like this in Judges chapter 16, verse 20. And she said, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. So he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as before at other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. But he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. My prayer as your pastor is that you never wake up feeling like that. If I can do anything in this series, it's convince you 
to, to stop all the bad stuff, all the things you know you shouldn't be doing, all the vows that you're breaking, all the, the call of God on your life that you're running away from. Stop until, so that you don't get to this place where you wake up and you go, where did God go? And in Samson's case, God always showed up at that moment to give him his strength. And so he could, he could deliver the people so he could defeat the lions, so he could defeat the Philistines. And this is the moment where he's going, when I was in the vineyard, when I touched the dead bodies, you still showed up. But now that I've shaved my head, surely you're going to show up again. And he doesn't. And what I want you to know very clearly is I don't think it's God that stops showing up. I think it's we step away from him. There's like, a, there's like an umbrella of grace that God is saying, I want, to, I want to cover you. I want to stop you from the consequences of your decisions. But there's a, there's a distance. There's a moment where I got to let you suffer from the, the consequences of your bad choices because I can't go that far with you. I need you to be the prodigal son who learns your lesson so you can come back. And I never want you to have to get to that place where you wake up and feel like the grace of God has gone. It's missing. I don't know what happened. I don't know where God's at because you, that's not for you. The grace of God is supposed to stay with you because you have a call and you have something to do. You're supposed to deliver some people. You're supposed to have a call like Samson has. So don't get there. And so today, I want to wrestle with the next vow that he broke. Last week, we talked about where's the vineyard, what's your vineyard, and you process through that question. This week, I want to process through the second vow that he breaks. And it happens that Samson is, uh, he goes down, finds out the woman he's going he's gonna to marry. He's betrothed to her. He's supposed to marry her. And they're going to come back. And on his way back, after having been in the vineyard the first time, the place he's not supposed to be, had a lion show up. He destroyed the lion. The spirit of the Lord came upon him. He destroyed the lion, split it in half. And then they go back home after meeting his future wife. And they go back home. They come back to the appointed time. And here's what happens on the way back. Judges chapter 14, verses 8 and 9. After some time, when he returned to get her, talking about his wife, he turned aside to see the carcass of the lion. And behold, a swarm of bees and honey were in the carcass of the lion. He took some of it in his hands and went along eating. Samson is on the path and scripture says that he turned aside. Now I'd like to tell you an illustration of how uh, like, kind of like a, a horse race, they'll put blinders on the horse so that their, their vision is not distracted. And so they stay focused on the race in front of them and don't get distracted by the, the crowds and the cheers and the, all the distractions on the side and stay focused. And that's a whole different sermon. But this, this word turned aside is not just that he took a, a gander, just took a look, like, what's up? Where, where's that at? This scripture, the, the way that this Hebrew word is used in other contexts is he removed himself. He had a path and a direction he was called to go. He knows where he was going. He knows the purpose of where he's going. And it's not just that he turned his head and looked over at the vineyard. He removed himself from the path that he was on to go back and take a look at the vineyard he was not supposed to be at, to see the lion that he wasn't supposed to kill because he was never supposed to be there, to, only to find out there's a little bit of honey in the lion only to find out there's something sweet that gives me excuse to be here and justified to continue on. And so today, I want you to not turn aside, to not remove yourself from the direction as God has called you to, to take a look and see how sweet the honey might be. To, to remove yourself to, out of curiosity, to go see that place that you used to be that was unhealthy, that you shouldn't have been in, to take a little look over there and test those waters out, to check it out again, to go, to go take a look and see. Because when you remove yourself from the place you're called to be, you end up in places you're not supposed to be, touching things you're not supposed to touch. And for Samson, and the title of today's message is Don't Touch Dead Things. 
Don't touch dead things. For Samson, he removed himself from the direction God had called him to, to go to a place that he wasn't called to be. And then he sees something that he should have never seen because he should have stayed on his path. And there's a, a dead carcass there. Now, this is an interesting part because his Nazarite vow says, don't touch dead bodies. And there's a little bit of commentary dispute on several things about this. Some commentators even argue that he's not under the Nazarite vows. He doesn't have to follow other Nazarite vows. He's a special Nazarite. It's only about his hair. But scripture keeps over and over again mentioning these random details that seem to point to the fact that he's doing things that a Nazarite shouldn't do. So should you touch the honey? Should you touch the carcass? I don't know. It's kind of gray. It seems like in, in, in the Old Testament understanding of what to eat, at the very least, if he didn't break his Nazarite vow by touching the carcass, he did break being an Israelite and following the ways of God by eating something that had touched a dead animal. So there's this like break in him where he's removed himself. He goes to a dead place, distracted. He touches a dead thing and lets the dead thing be a part of him now. He consumes it. And it's almost like for a lot of us, we think, well, that's not that big a deal. It just hurt him. Until we find out in verse nine, it doesn't just affect him. Verse nine of Judges chapter 14 says, he took some of it in his hands and went along eating. When he came to his father and mother, he gave them some and they also ate. But he did not tell them that he had taken the honey out of the carcass of the lion. I would venture to bet for, for a lot of us, when we remove ourselves from the direction we know we're supposed to go. Like God's called us to a direction and all of a sudden the honey looks sweet. All of a sudden the thing over there I'm too curious about. I wonder what happened. I wonder if I should, I wonder if I should drop in and have a conversation with that old relationship that didn't work out and see what's going on there. I wonder if I should go back to that place that I was unhealthy at and, and really test the waters. I wonder if I should go back. And when we remove ourselves from the direction God has called us to, the, the person that God has called us to be and go over to these dead things this dead place, when we remove ourselves, we end up touching dead things, consuming things that are unclean for us to consume, and it affects the people we love most. We now are letting other people kind of suffer the consequences of our bad choices. Our, our spouse suffers the consequences of our choice to be in dead places, to, to touch dead things. We're now letting other people be affected by the things that we're uh, uh, being affected by. So don't touch dead things. You have a call on your life, a direction you're called to go. And today I want to challenge you, don't touch dead things. So you're going to have to not remove yourself from the call of God and let curiosity for things you're not supposed to do or places you're not supposed to be. And, and to get there, to not, to, to not get there is to don't, don't go to dead places. If you're taking notes, don't go to dead places. Stay away from dead places. There's nothing good for you in the dead place because you're gonna remove yourself from the path that God has called you to, to go to a place that's dead, to touch a dead thing, to consume a thing that's unclean, and then it's gonna affect the people around you that you love most, and your call is too important. And what amazes me about Samson, what amazes me about ourselves, is that we have a hard time connecting the dots of when we got off track. It's like Satan is an expert of preventing us from understanding when, where and when we got off track. See, I don't think Samson ever recognizes that the start of his journey to going to dead places, to touching dead things, to, to finding up and waking up all in this moment where he says, oh, the grace of God has departed from me. 
God's left me. Where is God at? I think he has a hard time looking back and seeing the vineyard, looking back and seeing the moment where he touched the dead lion, looking back and seeing where he scooped his hand in because Satan is so good at keeping us away from realizing where it all started. Where's your dead place? The dead places that you know you're not supposed to be, that you remove yourself from the call of God to go to the place to scratch your, your itch of curiosity, to find out what happened, what really turned out in that old relationship, what really turned out with that house I wasn't supposed to buy, what really turned out to that debt I wasn't supposed to get into, what really turned out to that job that I knew I was supposed to turn down. I gotta remove myself to take a look and just go over here and check this thing out to find out what it is. What is that place for you? Because when you wake up, when you wake up, if you're not listening clearly today and listening to what God is saying to you, when you wake up and the spirit of God is, is left, it feels like the grace of God has left your life, it's gonna be really difficult to realize it was that moment. It was that moment. Satan is good at not helping us see the fact that there was a moment where we stepped out of God's path that we could get back on the path God has us to and we're so confused why we're at places of the grace of God because we can't point back to the dead places, the dead things and the things that we touch we're not supposed to. So, so pick a dead place, maybe for you. And, 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 and even with like the vineyard, there's some conviction there. There's some things that in the vineyard may not be wrong for everybody else, but you know you're not called to be there. You know that it's a place that's not healthy for you. You know you have a vow. You know that they can watch those kind of movies and it doesn't affect them, but that you know what they do to you. So I'm gonna stay away. I'm gonna stay away from those. You know that it's just a personal conviction. That kind of music that they're listening to, it's fine for them. Even as followers of Christ, they may be totally okay, but it reminds you of your past and you go back to listen and it starts to make you think, it starts to make you want to get off the path and go check out that old lifestyle that you used to live. And before you know it, you're too far gone to ever recognize it started with the play button. It started with that one night at the bar. Well, I mean, other people go and they seem fine. They seem to love Jesus. They seem to be doing okay. But for you, your last three relationships started at the bar. And you can't ever point back to the fact that they're not working out because they started at places that you weren't supposed to be. They started at places that you weren't supposed to be and you ended up in things that you weren't supposed to be in and you can never point back to the place that you went to when you got off the path. They can be simple things too. Very simple things that will never point back and realize the dead place that was in our life. It'd be simple as the snooze button for some of us. Hit that snooze button. Don't point at nobody in here. I see y'all looking like, see, listen to the preacher. Stop hitting that snooze button. You're waking me up too. It can be as simple as, as the snooze button being the thing that is a domino effect for your day and you can't realize that it was because you kept hitting it, you woke up rushed. And you woke up rushed, so you took it out on your kids. And when you took it out on your kids, they snapped back, so you're in a bad mood, so you took it out on your coworkers and on your boss. And before you know, you've had a terrible day, and you will never look back and realize, I just need to get up when the alarm happens. This is not good for my day. I need to wake up earlier to get myself, get my head clear, read scripture, do something other than start my day out in frustration. There's a dead place that we keep going back to and back to, and we never connect the dots to find out that the dead place is leading us to dead things. And we're not in a healthy place because Satan will never allow us to recognize the place that we went back to. Just another example, maybe it's the casino. We go to the casino, it's not that big a deal because it's just a hundred bucks. I'll limit myself. I got self-control, it's a hundred bucks, hundred bucks, not that big a deal. That'd be four hours of entertainment. People pay hundred dollars for four hours of entertainment all the time. It's not that big a deal. And maybe, just maybe, I'll win it big, right? That's what we can tell ourselves. The dead place might give me some honey. 
I'm gonna get some honey. There might be a chance I'm gonna find some honey at the dead place. And I don't know if you guys do math or not, but for my math, it doesn't seem like they build big buildings because they keep giving out a bunch of cash. But we, but we all have that one example of that one friend that keeps winning $10,000. I mean, they don't tell you that they lost 100,000 over the five-year period, but they do remind you that one time they hit it big. They do tell you about that one time they got that 10,000. They do tell you about that one time they got 1,000. When they go on their birthday, they win big. But every other day they seem to lose. And all of a sudden we go to dead places because we're not called to be there. And then we come home and our spouse is frustrated with us. Like you, you wasted a hundred dollars and you came home at five hours later instead of four hours. What's going on? You start fighting and you're frustrated. And before you know it, the fight leads to less intimacy. And then you're fighting more and then it gets worse and worse. And you can never connect back that it was, it's just a hundred dollars. It's just a few hours. It's not that big of a deal. Samson would say, it's just a vineyard. It's not that big a deal. It's just a little bit of honey. It's not that big a deal. It's just a lion's carcass. That's not even a part of my Nazarite vow. I'm just not supposed to touch human bodies. This must be okay. And Samson is not able to go back and look and see. It all started when he removed himself from the direction he was called to go to take, check out the honey. Well, maybe, just maybe. And so today I would challenge you to see, don't go to the dead places. Don't remove yourself from the path that God has called you to be to go check out the things and the places you're not supposed to be. I've seen it over and over again in our walk with Christ. Like as a pastor, I see people leaving places that they're called to be because they get in their feels. You get, you get in your feelings and your emotions and you might leave a church out of emotions. I've heard it, people coming this way and it's like red flag for me. So have a conversation with that church. I'll tell you what they did. Oh, oh, we got in your feelings and left, huh? It's very different when someone says, you know what? I had a good time. I was called there. It was time for me to go. I was called to go somewhere else. I was called to come here. I was called to check this out. I felt called by God to do something. That's a very different conversation than so-and-so didn't, and they didn't call when, and they didn't visit when. Ooh, hold on. You got in your feelings. Did you remove yourself? Did you remove yourself because it felt better to get off the path? Because there might've been a little honey on the other side. Did you remove yourself from the marriage because it got a little difficult because you got in your feelings and you might've had to go to marriage counseling. You might've had to do some things to work on it. Did you remove yourself from the healthy place that you were called to be because it got hard and because there was honey on the other side? Or are you supposed to stick it out to the thing God has called you to and not remove yourself and go to a dead place and make excuses for your dead place because it tasted good for a little bit. Well, it felt good for a little bit. I've seen uh, a leader one time years ago. Uh, I don't know if they were able to connect the dots, but we sat down one time and she hadn't been in church in a little while and she was, we were pretty close. I was like, hey, what's going on? You were a leader. You've been a leader for years. What's going on? She's like, well, y'all are just gossiping too much. Like, gossiping? Like this was a small church. I was a youth pastor. There was like 15 kids and four leaders. If there was gossip, I heard all of it. Like it was small enough. We were all family. Like, what are you, what are you talking about? Well, y'all been talking about me having sex with my boyfriend. You're having sex with your boyfriend? That's the first I've heard. There ain't been no gossip because I would have heard about it if that's the truth. You tell me you're having sex with your boyfriend? That's confusing. I'm confused. She's like, I know you are talking about it. Y'all stop talking about it. Like, nobody's talking about that. Absolutely nobody is talking about whether or not because we're assuming you're not. We thought the best of you. We just want you to show up. We just want you to show up. Why well, not coming back? Okay. You got in your feels. A few years later, we sat down again. I said, what happened? Like, what's going on? Well, I was having sex with my boyfriend. Yeah. No kidding. Sometimes, sometimes the place that's dead feels good for a season because there's a little bit of honey there. And if you can ever look back to realize you went to a place that's unhealthy, guess what? That relationship isn't together anymore. Big shocker. I know I've spoiled the end for that for you, but that, that relationship isn't there anymore. 
because it was a dead place that was unhealthy. Nothing wrong against him. It's just they were doing unhealthy things when they knew they were called not to do those things. And when they stepped into good places, holy places, they felt convicted from the dead things. And instead of going back and looking at the place that they had been, they assessed that it was the holy place that was wrong, that somebody else must have been doing something that, that was wrong against them because they felt some conviction in the place as the, the direction God had called them to. So they justified the dead place. And every time we justify, every time we go forward and keep going down the dead place, we get deeper in until all we do is justify. And that's what happens with Samson. Samson keeps going. He keeps going to this dead place and he keeps justifying it because he goes deeper and deeper and deeper in. So for Samson, he goes down to, uh, to this woman he's betrothed to and they throw this massive feast. It's like a seven day drinking feast. He's been in the vineyard. Now he's throwing a seven day drinking feast. I don't know if you, you know what you do at a drinking feast is you drink. You know what the drink of the day is? Wine. So most likely Samson's partaking. If, if not, he's dangerously close. Seven days of full on drinking feast, dangerously close to things that he's not supposed to touch. He's progressing further and further. And part of the custom is that he has companions. So the Philistines, the people that are over Israel, give him 30 companions to be his friend during this, group, this big massive party. And uh, he, he's in there hanging out, talking to him. And he's like, he kind of starts to poke and prod at them. He's like, well, hey, I'm gonna give you a riddle. If you answer my riddle, then I'll give you 30 garments, 30 fancy clothes, you know, like the Gucci kind of stuff. Back in the day, that was the thing. That's biblical. You probably don't know about that translation. And so I'm gonna give you this fancy stuff. I'm gonna give you the nice stuff. If, but if, if you can't answer my riddle, then you give me 30 pieces of clothing, the nice stuff, the fancy stuff. And he uses this dumb riddle that points back to the dead place because he uses the dead place to continue to justify his foolishness. And he tells them, out of the eater, something to eat. Out of the eater, something sweet. What does that mean? That's the dumbest riddle I've ever heard. Well, it's because he got it from the dead place and bees don't typically go into dead things. But for some reason, there's a random moment of a dead place that he's using as a riddle. And the woman he's betrothed to gets threatened. The Philistines are like, listen, you invited us to this party. We didn't come to this party to lose 30 garments. I need you to tell us the riddle. She's like, I don't know the riddle. She goes to Samson. Samson's like, I didn't even tell my mom and dad. I'm not going to tell you. Well, Samson, you didn't tell your mom and dad because you knew you weren't supposed to be there. You didn't tell your mom and dad because you're in a dead place. And now you're making that excuse to her as to why you won't tell her. And she begs and pleads because they tell her, we're going to burn down your house and your family's house. We're going to take you down. And so she's, she's weeping before him. Now, I make a connection that's going to be a little bit deeper next week. He's got a woman that he loves, that he's betrothed to, that's begging for a secret. And future Delilah is going to have a secret that she's begging for. There's a deeper, there's a connection to Samson taking one step and then going further and further in. Finally gives in. Just like with Delilah, he gives in with this woman. He tells her, all right, here's what, here's what it is. I was a carcass, the honey's thing. That's what happened. So scoop out the honey. That's the sweet thing, something to eat. That's the lion. He's the eater. She tells the Philistines, they come back and call him on it. Hey, guess what? We found out your thing. He's like, if you wouldn't have been talking to my woman, you wouldn't have found out. So he's angry. He's frustrated. And out of his frustration, here's what he does in Judges chapter 14, verse 19. Said, then the Lord, spirit of the Lord came upon him mightily and he went down to Ashkelon and killed 30 of their men, took their apparel and gave the changes of clothing to those who had explained the riddle. So his anger was aroused and he went back to his father's house. How'd you get them clothes off of those men? Listen, first off, this is a lot of work, man. First, you gotta put your hair up because you're about to fight. You know, 30 guys, you got Samson's got long hair. He's gotta throw his hair back. He's ready to go. He's ready to fight. And so no matter, are you, if you're fighting 30 men 
It's gonna take you some time. No matter how strong you are, you bop them on the head, it takes a minute for them to die. You gotta make sure all of them are dead. 30 men, there's a lot of them there. It's gonna take a few minutes. And then you gotta do work. Now, I'm, I'm gonna guess, just like, the, just like the feast, I'm gonna guess he wasn't real like, don't touch the dead body. Don't touch the dead body. I'm gonna guess he was in his anger and he, took the, he t- started touching dead bodies. It started with a dead lion's carcass that might've been gray. And it led to a dead place where you absolutely unashamedly broke your vow. You broke your vow. You broke your second vow. It says the spirit of the Lord came upon him and he was able to do this. And what happens for all of us is that we use the grace of God because he's allowed us to get by with it a couple of times because he's waiting for you to make the corrections to get out of the dead place. And we assume that grace is justification. Well, it worked out for me this last time. It worked out for me this one time. It's going to be okay this other time. And eventually, before you know it, you're going to wake up and realize grace of God's gone. And my prayer is that if that ever happens, it never happens. But if it ever happens, you go, it was that dead place. It was the dead lion. It was the vineyard. It was the dead bodies. I went to places I wasn't supposed to be. That's, that's on me. So then Samson, uh, he comes back. After going, you saw, I don't know if you noticed, he went back to his daddy's house. I'm taking my ball and go home. Like, you ain't going, you ain't going to, you, I'm going to give you your clothes, but I'm going to be mad about it. I'm not going to be happy. He t- he's mad. What are you mad about? You had a stupid riddle. You were in a place you weren't supposed to be. This is on you, Samson, but he's mad. He goes back to his daddy's house. Doesn't go to his wife. Doesn't go to his brand new wife that he just had. He goes back to his daddy's house. Mom and daddy, they was treating me wrong. They did me all wrong. They was messed up. They, was, they, they got my riddle when they weren't supposed to get my riddle. What about the riddle? What about a lion? Tell me about that again. Oh, nothing. Don't worry about the riddle because that would mean I have to tell you that I was at the vineyard touching things I wasn't supposed to touch. But mom and daddy, I'm the victim. And so he went back. And then finally it says sometime later he comes back. He comes back and tries to go into his wife's room is what it says, which I think is interesting. He just walk in like, where? no, I've been just, yeah, I was just, everything's fine. Yeah, it's a few months later, but this is cool. This is normal, right? For me to run to mommy and daddy's house and then just come back home. And her dad is like, no, hold up. Hold up just a second. Uh, we thought you bounced. Like you, you got mad and left. The custom says that we're supposed to give her to your best man. That's what we did. What, what? So at that point, you would think that Samson would connect some dots. I lost my wife because I was a fool. In my anger, I was foolish. I did stupid things and I was being foolish. And he gets, he gets he's like, well... Well, now this is justification. That's all he does. He uses this as justification to get back at the Philistines. It must be their fault. It must be, it can't be my fault. It absolutely can't be my fault. It must be their fault. So in his anger, he's, if, if anybody's gonna be mad at it, it should be the dad maybe, maybe the wife, but he's randomly mad at the Philistines because, because of what? Because they figured out his riddle? Because he was in dead places? No, no, no. This is on him, but he's able to justify by being mad at them. There's a, there's a moment where we go deeper in to our sin and our mistakes and we let our anger and our emotions dictate the direction we're going rather than looking back and going, mm, maybe I messed up. So Samson, in his anger, catches 300 fox. I don't know, I don't know how, I don't, I don't know how. I don't know if he's got traps, if he's just mad, like, oh, get over here. Like, oh, like, I don't know how you, I don't know how you mad catch a fox. Like, if he's got super speed with his strength, I don't know what that looks like for Samson. That's the same, that's a, that's a fox call. Y'all probably didn't know that. That's a fox call right there. That's a perfect one. You can record that, use it as a sound bite, track them all. 300 fox. 
He takes them. And this is, this is like, for me, him being bitter and upset this whole time, taking 300 fox and he takes them and puts them in pairs, takes their tail together, ties a torch in the middle and let each, each pair go. So there's 150 pairs going through the field, setting them on fire. Like you just bitter the whole time. Like I'm telling him, take my wife and tell you for 300, for 150 times. Like I'm telling you, give me that fox. Give me that other fox. Hey, hey, give me that other fox. Yeah, tell them, you're gonna come to my wife, take my wife away. And all that time you're taking to catch the fox, tie the fox, put the pairs together, send them burning the field. You never for a second think, maybe it was me. Maybe I messed up. Maybe I was in a place I wasn't supposed to be. Maybe I lost my wife because I went away mad. Maybe I lost this place because I had a stupid riddle that wanted to get me more clothes that wasn't a part of my calling. My calling was to deliver my people, not get clothes. Maybe I was doing stupid things and I need to look back and assess, but instead in our emotions, in our anger, we keep doing dumb things and we wonder why we end up in dumb places. Why, why'd they take my wife? Couldn't have been my fault, must've been theirs. And the, the, sec- the, the, the last thing I wanna talk about today that I want you to stay away from is get out of dead mindsets. Get out of dead mindsets. You're you're gonna, just by human habit, you're gonna get out off off track every once in a while. You're gonna make a mistake. You're gonna look to the left and end up in something you shouldn't, do something stupid. Every once in a while, you're gonna say something you wish you hadn't said. And you got two choices. You can either own it, acknowledge it, and get out of a dead mindset, or you can play victim. That wasn't my fault, that was on you. I didn't mean it like that when I said it. That's how you, that you just took it that way. That's your bad, not mine. No, no, no. All of my marriages failed. All five, six, seven, eight marriages, they all fell, but that ain't on me. That was me. I, 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 well, maybe just maybe my ownership is I pick bad people. Maybe I need to grab some friends and start asking some questions like, do I, do I pick bad people? Like, should I date this person? Should I marry this person? Maybe I should have some trusted advice because I realize that I end up in dead places on my own. I end up in unhealthy relationships. And instead of owning it, I play victim. What's everybody else's fault? It's somebody else's fault. Somebody else did this to me and that's what Samson does. And today I wanna challenge you. If you if, first off, just don't go to the dead place. Don't, don't get off track. But if you get there, if you get off track, get out of the dead mindset. God has not left you abandoned. God has a call on your life. He's got more for you than you can ever think, dream, or imagine. God's got you. And there is a grace that is extended for a period of time so that you have time to get back on track. But to get back on track, you have to get out of a dead mindset. You are not a victim of your circumstances because my God says you are more than a conqueror more than a conqueror. When you're following Christ, he's got your back. He's bringing peace. He's bringing joy. And whenever you find yourself making excuses for your childhood, you find yourself in a dead mindset because that's not who God says you are. God says he's never going to leave you abandoned. God says he's never going to give you a temptation that you can't resist. There's always a way out. And we have two mindsets, no matter how bad your childhood was. And I get it. Some of us have had such bad trauma, such major childhood issues that you were a victim but you don't have to stay a victim. You've had things happen to you and you were a victim in that moment, but your reaction doesn't have to be a victim reaction. And what I mean by that is there are a whole group of people that, that, that smoke, don't wanna smoke, wish they didn't smoke, but they don't have a choice. My, my, my daddy smoked, my mama smoked, what choice did I have? I had to smoke. There's a whole group of people who say, well, I don't know how to handle money. My mom was in debt, my daddy was in debt, I gotta be in debt. Like, what choice did I have? There's a whole group of people that say, well, my dad yelled at me, my mom yelled at me, so I'm gonna yell at my kids. I'm gonna hit my kids. I'm gonna talk like this to my kids because that's what happened to me. I don't have a choice. There's a whole group of people that stay a victim. And the reason I know that you don't have to is because there's another group. 
that says my mom and my dad smoke and I can't stand the smell of smoke. I will never let it in my house. There's a whole nother group of people that I saw the look in my dad and my mom's face when they yelled at me and I remember how it made me feel. I'll never let my kids feel like that. I'll never speak to my kids like that. I re- there's a whole group of people that said, I saw what my parents did and how they spent money whenever the taxes came in. We got a big TV and then we struggled the rest of the year. Yeah, I'm not gonna do that to my kids. I'm on a budget. I'm gonna learn. I'm gonna ask questions. There's a whole group of people that say, I don't like what was done to me. I'm getting out. And you have the choice, you have the power with a living God who cares about you, who has called you, who has anointed you for a purpose to say, I might've been victimized, but I will not stay a victim. That my God has made me more than a conqueror. If you stay in that mindset, in that dead mindset, you are handing over control. Well, I don't have control. I don't have a choice. Yeah, yeah, you'll stay there because you are handing over control of your life You are giving up your free will. I don't have a choice when God says you do. When God says you have a choice, don't hand over your free will and your choice. Don't let the grace of God be justification for your sin. There's a second dead mindset that some of us get into. And I think it it shows up with Samson too, where he's he's wanting to be the, the kind of world sheriff. He's wanting to bring correction, in my opinion, in an unhealthy way to the Philistines. He's finding justification to to lash out at the Philistines. And I think God would have given him plenty of justification if he had done it a healthy way. His justification for being mad at the Philistines doesn't make sense to me. That was on him. There was plenty of other reasons we upset at them and how they were treating the Israelites, but the ones he was mad about weren't it. And for many of us, the victim mindset can also translate into the, I gotta be the world sheriff. I'm I'm gonna tell everybody how it is. I'm gonna correct the world. I'm Facebook warrior. I'm gonna be on Instagram, tell them how it is. And, and the, the, both the grace in the, in, the, in the moment of your dead places and the grace in, in how you're trying to control people will try to convince you that you were right and you were justified. And I would say, lastly, be very aware of a mindset that you're gonna be God's hammer to the world. Because, because our job, it says like the, the way that they're gonna know that we're followers of Christ is our love one for another. Not our correct theology, not how we tell it like it is, not how we don't let nobody treat us bad. No, our love one for another. And there's a danger in that mindset too, where you think, man, I gotta, I gotta who else gonna tell them? I mean, they were driving stupid. I had to yell and cuss at them. They ain't gonna drive like that again. Like we can have justification for bad behavior. And we think because it corrected them, we were in the right. And there's a danger in that mindset too, because we can be the person that corrects them and we can think we're justified because it does bring correction. But the person that corrects people is not always the person God is cool with. What do I mean by that? There's a moment in in Jeremiah where God's people are messed up. Like God's people have gone too far and it's the same with Samson where it's like, all right, I'm done. God tells his people in Jeremiah, I'm done. You guys have got to learn that your actions have consequences. Their, their consequences finally catch up. And he promises you got 70 years of consequences. You got 70 years where I'm going to allow the people of Babylon to control you. They're going to control you and you're going to be their slaves because I tried and I tried. I sent you deliverers. I did everything I knew to help you get the right, right mindset. And now I need you to step outside of my grace and realize that you can come back to me. And in this moment, if you were Babylon, you would think, look at us used by God. Look at us. We're used by God to bring correction. Our mindset is that our bad behavior, our corrective behavior must be okay, but it's still a dead mindset because here's what happens to Babylon in Jeremiah 25 verse 14. It says, they themselves will be enslaved by many nations and great kings. I will repay them according to their deeds and the work of their hands. 
we are, for Babylon, they're getting paid based on what they do, not the result of how they corrected people. The output isn't always a good indicator of what the input was. Sometimes the grace of God gave you a season to get it right. Sometimes the grace of God is giving you a season to talk to your spouse about some things you shouldn't have been doing. Sometimes the grace of God gives you a season to have a conversation with your kids to say, hey, we're gonna do it different this time. Sometimes the grace of God is giving you a season. And if you don't, if you don't bring correction to yourself in that season, you don't find the dead mindset and correct it, it says we will be repaid by the works of our hands, the, the, the deeds that we do. And the deeds aren't based on output, they're based on input in that, in that correction. So, so a dead mindset says, well, I must be right because my kids turn out all right. I must be right because I'm still married. I must be right because they haven't come repoed my card yet. No, 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 no. You might have good kids despite of your bad behavior because of the grace of God. Your marriage might still be together despite of your bad behavior because of the grace of God. They might not have repoed your card just yet because of the grace of God, because he wants to give you a season to understand his grace and his mercy. You can't extend it too far. You can get too far into a place where God says, all right, I need you to learn because I love you too much. I can't. I can't enable this bad behavior any longer. I can't justify it. And my prayer for you is that you get out of dead places today, that you run from dead places because my God has called you. And just like the dead thing that you're touching, the dead place that you were, and just like for Samson's parents, your choices aren't just about you. Your choices affect the people that you were called to deliver, the people you were called to love, the family that you're called to lead, the family that you're called to show the grace of God to and the mercy of God to. For Samson, the, the people of Israel are missing out on all that Samson could be because he's distracted by dead things. And I don't want your family, your future, and the future people that you're supposed to reach to miss out on who you're called to be and what you're called to do because you're so busy in dead things that you've, you've lost your trust in the goodness and the mercy and the grace of God and the path that God has for you that it's right. Because the call is too big. Like God has called you. If you are still breathing, you are still called. If you are still alive, God still has a plan for your life. And the question is, will you stay out of dead things long enough to stay on God's path? to trust that his direction is life and hope and goodness, that he's got more for me than all of these dead things, than all this honey, than all of the vineyards, than all the places I'm not supposed to be. His goodness, his mercy is better than all the world has to offer. And the only way you're willing to stop touching dead things, to stay out of dead places, to get out of dead mindsets, is when you trust God enough to say, all right, God, your way's better. I'll go your path. I won't remove myself from your path because your path is better. This place, this way, it leads to death. You lead to life. We're so glad you joined us for today's message. Our prayer is that God got the message you needed most today. If you're still here joining us and you're looking for an opportunity to connect to the Brick Church through giving, you can do that by texting the word BRICK to 45888. That's the word BRICK to 45888. The first time you do that, it's gonna send you a link, give you the opportunity to connect that number to a credit card, debit card, or bank account. And as you connect with us and we partner together to reach people, we pray that God blesses you in your giving. 